are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Tuesday. We got a lot to cover because we've got some news in a couple of different areas, particularly about where the season is going to start. And this comes from JJ Redick and Mark Cuban. I also want to talk about Jamal Murray, who went off the other night. There's a game seven tonight between the Jazz and the Nuggets. Uh, when you're listening to this one that basically he forced because he's just going off in this series. I've got a fun story about why the Pelicans didn't draft him. I'm just going to straight up just tell you the story. I think I've hinted at it in the past, but I'm just going to tell it to you guys here in today's show. And then finally, we're going to wrap up looking at some of the guards in the draft who could be around the Pelicans. Why there's maybe one or two I like, but none that I'm completely, completely sold on in this draft. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only Pel show here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know. Biggest stories, which we're about to tell you, kind of behind the scenes peek at something that went down, breaking down the draft and everything. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So if you stayed up a little bit later on Sunday night to watch the Denver Nuggets take on the Utah Jazz, Game 6, elimination for the Denver Nuggets, you saw Jamal Murray go off 50 points. He had another 50-point game in the series, along with a 42-point game in the series, and he's basically just playing out of his freaking mind. Like, this is one of those just extreme heaters that, like, Damian Lillard goes on or some of these other guys go on, and you weren't necessarily expecting it from a young guy like this out of him who's only been in the league for four years or so. He has gone off and just been a stud during this time, and now he's forced to game seven, basically just, like, solely on his back. Jokic is helping with certain things, so are some of the other guys. But it's like the Jamal Murray show. And if you remember back in the, what was it, 2016 draft, the Pelicans selected Buddy Heald at number six over the uh, Nuggets taking Jamal Murray at seven. So they could have gotten this guy, right? You could have had a team of Drew Holiday, Jamal Murray, and Anthony Davis in some weird timeline even though I do think AD still would have wanted out. I don't even, and you wouldn't be seeing this version of Jamal Murray. He also, you didn't see this version of Jamal Murray in the regular season too. Keep it in mind, it's him lighting it up in this series. He's had some of the scoring potential, but there's other issues with him too. So uh, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, the reason we're, we're bringing him up and the incredible performance he has is here is one, I'd seen his name come up in trade talks around the Pels before of like fans kind of hoping maybe you can get this guy, something like that. One, that's not going to happen now. And then it always goes back to, well, the Pelicans took Buddy Heald ahead of Jamal Murray. And the conventional thinking that people say is that Buddy Heald was more NBA ready than Jamal Murray would be. Maybe Buddy had a lower ceiling than Jamal Murray did, but at the time the floor was higher for Buddy Heald. All that is to say is that Buddy Heald was a better player at the time, at the time than Jamal Murray, but probably didn't have the potential that Jamal Murray has. And who knows if Jamal Murray would have ended up the same player here in New Orleans. That's not the only reason why the Pelicans didn't take Jamal Murray. That they Part of it was that Buddy Heald could probably come in and shoot some threes and be a bit more consistent player, put him around Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, and maybe help that team get into the playoffs in the win-now mode that they were in. But there's more to it than that. 
So during the, this is where the story comes in, and this hasn't really been widely reported, and like, screw it, let's just say it on the podcast here. So around the pre-draft process for everything, the Pelicans do a lot of individual workouts, and you all know how individual workouts go. They can be a good or bad thing, potentially. If you look at it in the NFL, when they have those pro days, they're largely controlled by the player. And not really a team-based thing. Like you don't want your guys to, if you're an agent, to go and work out for a team if they're a top pick or a top 10 guy because if it goes poorly, you fall. And that's there's probably not a ton of room to necessarily move up outside of just the usual stuff when you see guys kind of skyrocket up a board. It's not usually after an individual workout. It's the combine and their intangibles, like the athleticism, all of that stuff. So the Pelicans had Jamal Murray in for a workout. And usually the agents are there. And for whatever reason... In the gym, they had the agent wasn't there. I don't know if this was a purposeful move by the Pels, but the agent wasn't there and left Jamal Murray alone with the team for whatever reason. So the Pelicans asked him, hey, do you want to play some one-on-one with one of our guys so we can kind of get a look at you? And he said, yes. And so he goes up against a Pelicans assistant coach. And he does well offensively, lights up the the assistant coach, goes out and scores, does like what you would expect a guy who's going to be a top seven player in the NBA to do against a coach who has playing experience, but not at the NBA level. Like Jamal Murray should be really good here, right? Good. Okay. Looks good there. Then they switch sides and it's Jamal Murray's turn to play defense. And he doesn't really get a stop. Like he gets lit up defensively by this assistant coach who doesn't have NBA experience. Again, good player would destroy you or I, but an NBA player should at least be able to slow him down a little bit, you would think. But every time this guy's scoring over Jamal Murray, and at the end of that workout, which I don't even think was really supposed to be a workout, just more of a visit and everything, the Pelicans just said they they couldn't take him. As much as they thought there was potential there offensively, the defensive issues they thought were never going to get fixed. They thought Buddy Heald, who didn't have a good defensive season at Oklahoma the his what sophomore junior year but he did the year before when he wasn't doing as much offensively and they thought there was more upside on Buddy Heald's defense than Jamal Murray's defense but we've mentioned over the past couple of weeks here on the show that I don't know if defense matters as much in the NBA right now if you can get a top end guard creator like Jamal Murray is you kind of live with that and also it's just getting tougher to play defense anyway maybe you just need to lean in to the offensive side of the ball Jamal Murray's kind of doing it. But that's the reason why Buddy Heald won six. It was that disastrous in-person workout, private workout, which his agent should not have let him do. And if his agent was there, wouldn't have let him do. That is the reason the Pelicans didn't take him and picked Buddy Heald over him. Whether that's the right move, the wrong move, you can debate. But given, you know, the information and data at the time, if he was that bad on defense in like a private workout when you're trying to impress a team and get drafted as high as possible, I think that does kind of say something. And also, frankly, he probably would have been traded for if it comes to DeMarcus Cousins and everything that happened with Buddy Heald being shipped out in February of his rookie year anyway. So I don't think it really matters. We don't need to go those down those rabbit holes of what if he was here in New Orleans. He's never going to be here that long in terms of Jamal Murray. And now you're certainly not going to get him as he's probably untradeable as they get here in the NBA. But that's the story about why the Pelicans didn't draft Jamal Murray. So we'll touch on when the season may start with the words from an owner. We're also going to look at some of the guards that could be available at 13 in the upcoming NBA draft. 
But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Going into a chain auto parts store is kind of annoying. With so many different makes and models out there, they're not going to have what you want in stock. And when you go to order the part over at the counter, they're only going to have one version of it in. And you're going to have to pay whatever price says in that computer. You don't have a choice. That's all they have because it's too hard for them to keep a wide variety of parts in stock. But rockauto.com is different. It's a family business serving auto parts customers for online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com now to shop for all your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and best of all, prices that you prefer. And frankly, that's the best part of rockauto.com. Prices are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Chain stores have different tiers. You're going to pay more than a professional mechanic would. Why? But why should you spend you know up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so we know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com don't forget subscribe to locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know so we don't know a lot about what next season's going to look like. We have, you know, a bit of a target date in December, and that's where the NBA has placed it. I don't think that's realistic and happening, particularly if the NBA finals go to October 12th, 7th, whatever it is. Now, you're seeing other leagues basically start right up after the end of the previous season. Serie, I'm a big AC Milan fan. Serie A in Italy is going through that, basically where it starts in a couple of weeks, and their season ended like two, three weeks ago. So they're maybe getting a month off, which means you basically get a week or two, and you go right back into preseason training. And if most teams are going to have to do it, you're just not going to get uh, – most, most leagues are doing it. You're probably just not going to get a realistic, like, normal offseason like you get in the NBA here. You've got to kind of get right back to it just for – the health of these leagues. I expect the NBA will do that to some degree, though I think these players have seen their agency are going to fight for time off and to just recover. I also think the NBA wants to delay the season so that they can potentially get fans in stands. And this is where I wanted to talk about what Mark Cuban said on JJ Reddick's most recent podcast. So this is an owner in the NBA and probably one of the more powerful owners in there. He might be one of the richer owners in the NBA as well. He's a guy that no, you guys get it. It's Mark Cuban. Like he knows what he's doing, right? So he is saying on JJ's on JJ Reddick's podcast that he thinks they probably start right around Martin Luther uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is January eighteenth of twenty twenty one. I think he means this. I'll keep going with it. He goes, "That'd be a great starting point." And he also says the healthcare tech geek in me is really confident we're going to have a vaccine. Really confident. I think we start to get that in volume in November, December, and then it starts to get out there by February, and then we should hopefully knock on wood we'll be able to have fans there you go that's the key the nba is probably going to delay its season as long as it possibly can to see if they can get fans in arenas it's likely going to take a vaccine to be able to put 100 capacity in in football you're seeing people do 20 25 percent yeah you can potentially do that I don't know if that's necessarily a number you want to go with. That's under 5,000 people per game. Just to keep the the building cooled enough in the Smoothie King Center is probably going to cost you so much money that it's not worth it to have 4,000 fans there, something like that. So I think they want to push the season back as far as possible so that you can get fans in there and 
get money from it and that ticket revenue and the game day revenue of concessions, merchandise, and all of that. I don't think we're seeing basketball until 2021. I think January seems to make some sense. And if they can get a vaccine and get it out there by then, like it should work. But this is one of those things. So I do think they'll also try and delay the draft. They'll delay free agency and probably try and figure it out. I'd like a shorter offseason and get right back to playing basketball starting in, I think training camps would be MLK day. And then you look to maybe start the season in February, which is something that Cuban says as well. That I don't, again, this is this whole situation, this pandemic is going to have reverberations on the league and all sports for years to come is it's going to take the NBA a while to get back to doing their late October, mid-October training camp start of the season if that's what they normally want to be doing. And this makes more sense because their revenue is an issue and the CBA is not designed to withstand what's going on here. Getting more money back and trying to recoup as much as possible and not playing part of the season without fans makes a lot of sense. So I wouldn't expect to see basketball. It's also like Mark Cuban is in the know, right? He knows what's going on here. This isn't just me giving you my best educated guess and my thoughts on the situation. This is straight from an owner's mouth who probably has a whole lot more inside information than almost anybody out there right now. You can certainly bet in the board of governor meetings and all of that stuff that the NBA is talking about a vaccine and probably these things that he brings up. And he's probably giving them insight into that too and also getting some from others. So this is probably about as educated of a guess as you can get when the NBA season will start. And if you're starting to say that now, be willing to bet that's what we see end up happening. So no basketball probably until January or February once this season ends of 2021. So coming up, some draft talk. Let's take a look at some of the guards around where the Pelicans will be picking at 13th overall. I'm not thrilled with some of them, but there's one or two guys that I do like and I think are worth looking at. So coming up, we are going to talk about it here on Locked On Pelicans. All right, a little bit of draft talk to wrap up today's edition of Locked on Pelican. So I talked about the mock draft. We participated in all of the hosts and some of the picks that went in and ended up taking Sadiq Bey, small forward out of Villanova, wing player out of Villanova, um, who I'm fairly high on. I wanted to talk about guards, though, because I did mention I looked at Cole Anthony a little bit and considered him. There was a guy um, in R.J. Barrett that you could kind of look at, too, though I'm not really high on him. But there is a position of need for New Orleans and something they need to evaluate, and that is the point guard spot. And that's why Cole Anthony kind of comes into play with this. But I watched a little bit more of him the other day, and I'm, I'm less high on him than I was before. And there's another guy that I kind of like that I think the Pelicans will definitely consider. I don't think they have one position in mind. Obviously, you'd like some wing depth and a bigger dude, particularly if they're a shooter. And that could really be advantageous for New Orleans. But they're not going to reach on a guy. We've seen them kind of go best player available and someone they really believe can grow. So Sadiq Bey, who I think is going to be a fine NBA player, probably has a lower ceiling than some of the other guys there around him. And maybe that's not the way the Pelicans are going to look to draft. Maybe it's not the way you should look to draft at all. And we kind of talked about this in the first segment with Buddy Heald and Jamal Murray as well. One, So I want to look at some of the guards kind of at the top of the draft, particularly the point guards. The first one being LaMelo Ball. He's not going to be available when the Pelicans pick whatsoever. He's going for sure in the top three. Killian Hayes is a guy that I really do like a lot and I think could work really well and he's going to be a very good NBA player. But he is such a big prospect and such a good prospect that I see him going in the top five. I don't think he slips out of there. So as much as I would love him here in New Orleans, averaging 17 points per game and eight assists, 
um, that he's he's not going to do that. He or sorry, he won't be available for New Orleans. So you kind of look elsewhere. I think Tyrese Halliburton's going to get taken ahead of where New Orleans is picking. He probably goes in the top ten, and it leaves New Orleans in this you know unenviable position where like none of the guys at thirteen are like screaming difference makers. You can get a solid prospect there. I think I think a number of them all are. But none of them are just like, oh, hell yeah, sign me up for that guy. So I think it's going to be an interesting choice on what they have to make. But a guard position, particularly point guard, is definitely on the Pelicans' radar. And a guy that I do rather like at that spot is Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. He's got a number of things going for him here. One, he was a really, he's a sophomore. He was a really young uh, rookie player for him, freshman player for the Crimson Tide. And so he is going to be under 20 years old when he comes in, which is kind of rare for a sophomore. So he's on the younger side. And when you look at some of these players who are freshmen, he's actually younger than them. So he can do a number of... Uh, so the the age thing is really good. You know, it's, it's kind of risky taking juniors, seniors, and you never see him go in the lottery because of that age thing. Here, though, he's young. So being a sophomore, which sometimes can be a negative thing, isn't going to be the case And I think he has potential to be a pretty decent NBA player. I don't know if I necessarily see him becoming an amazing starter, maybe a spot starter, but certainly a rotation guy, certainly with the second unit, I think he can do. Uh, He's a decent enough shooter, 36.6% from three on five attempts per game. It's not bad. He should be above 36% in the NBA. His stroke is pretty good, particularly at the free throw line, which is what you're looking for. That's 80% in college. So that's kind of what you like to see. He is also very, very fast, and he might be the fastest player in the draft, and he attacks. Like That's kind of what you like about this guy. He doesn't draw a ton of fouls, but he breaks down a defense with that speed by trying to attack the basket. It's in a little bit of contrast to the way that Lonzo Ball plays, and I'm not out on Lonzo Ball as a half-court point guard, but he has some very real limitations there. So if you're going to draft a guard that can maybe take up some of those minutes or at least be a backup, uh, Lewis is not a bad option. 5.2 assists per game, five rebounds, 18 and a half points, 1.8 steals per game. He's a little bit turnover prone, but I think as his handle develops, you know, all of these young guys kind of are to a degree. I think he can do a number of things really well. He doesn't have great size. He's six foot three. That's not necessarily bad, not the best. And he is like a string bean, basically. He's 165 pounds. He needs to bulk up, and he's going to be targeted defensively for a while, I think, in the NBA. But everything he does offensively should develop, I think. I don't think he'll really get to the line a ton, but everything else I think he can really do. I think he can create off the dribble. I think he can shoot enough off the dribble that he has potential to be a solid NBA role player. And at 13, if that's what you get, you'll be okay with that. Particularly in this draft, while not necessarily weak, like some people are saying, it's definitely lacking the uh, top-end talent that other drafts had. And as you get towards the middle of the draft, yeah, maybe the difference between picks 13 and 20 aren't that much different, but it doesn't mean that they're particularly great there. So a guy like Lewis, I think, makes a good bit of sense for New Orleans. Cole Anthony... It makes some sense, but he requires the ball in his hand a lot. You don't see that. Uh, and he had the ball in his hands more in terms of usage rate than Lewis did. That scares me a little bit from him. And then after that, the point guards kind of get a little bit weak. And I'm not particularly excited about 
any of them after that. So if they're going to go point guard, you're basically looking at uh, Kyra Lewis or Cole Anthony. I like Lewis probably more than Anthony, though I'd consider Anthony there if he can maybe adapt to a different role. But I think that's asking for a lot. And I don't know if he's going to succeed right away in the NBA. So those are kind of the guard situation. That's kind of the guard situation here for New Orleans, at least in terms of point guards. It's not great. I think they'll also look at two guards as well. But I don't particularly like RJ Hampton a whole lot. You could look at a guy like Josh Green out of Arizona would make a little bit of sense, but then it kind of drops off again too. So this area that the Pelicans are in, there are some guys that are going to be available that you can like. It's also some that eh, I think are going to be big misses. This is in that range, that 10 to 20 range has a lot of front court guys, less so in the back court. So if you're looking to fill the guard hole, your options might get pretty thin if they get picked ahead of you. So this is still very up in the air on what the Pelicans are going to be looking to do in the draft because this draft is so uncertain that we really don't know how a lot of this is going to play out. All right, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only show here Monday through Friday for you all breaking down everything you want to know about the team. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to Rock Auto for sponsoring today's show. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.